This is Trice Talk for Monday night, November the 1st, 2021, and I'm your host, Donald Wayne. Trice Talk, a podcast where conservative viewpoints and patriotism are the standard. However, we do recognize that everyone has a right to their own opinion. And as long as you aren't supporting things that require us to pay for your lifestyle choices and or things that you should be taking care of yourself, you can live your life however you want. The mantra, the mantra, the mantra. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This uh, first day of November 2021. I mean, how quickly we've gotten here, you know, Uh, be careful if you blink, you know, the next thing it'll be Thanksgiving. It's amazing how quickly I can remember. It seemed like just a few weeks ago, I was talking about the 4th of July. Well, anyway, we've been uh, moving quickly towards this 1st of November, and I got a lot of stuff to cover tonight. So um, I'm going to get right into it here in just a moment, as soon as I uh, tell Ray Ben Rue to uh, take a break there on the side. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, here's here's the three main things we're going to be talking about tonight, and then I have one special subject that comes that will come at the end of the show, which I've been talking about now for uh, last couple episodes, I believe. And I, actually, I was intending on having this episode last night on Halloween, but um, one thing led to another, and just couldn't do the show last night. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. So decided to uh, do a few things uh, a little different today and getting ready for the show. And um, so here we are to that show that I've been referring to for a while now. So anyway, the first thing I want to talk about uh, tonight will be Jen Psaki, uh, you know, that she tested positive for COVID. Um, then the next thing will be two men sentenced to federal prison for destroying police car in George Floyd protest last year. It's something that I had not uh, heard about on any any uh, TV news, any show that I've watched. So uh, I, I was surprised when that was sent to me today. And then the last thing of the three is Biden wants to pay $450,000 per person to separated illegals uh, during the Trump era, if you will. So that's the three main topics of tonight's show. So let me just jump right into the first item here. And that's the one about Jen Psaki. Now, I know probably some of you are saying, who cares? Uh, but I, I think it's noteworthy uh, if it's something you haven't been paying attention to. But um, this is a story from the DailyMail.com. It's called Double Vaccinated White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki Reveals She's Tested Positive for COVID-19. She's the highest-ranking White House official to catch the virus. And this article is by Rob Crilly, I believe, senior U.S. political reporter, dot com in edinburgh scotland i guess they couldn't find anybody in the daily mail in the uh on the continental united states to talk about it so they had to go to scotland to get somebody but i don't know i just just thought i'd bring that up um the reason it matters it just kind of goes along the narrative uh that some people have been talking about in recent months is that it seems like more and more people who have been properly vaccinated, at least we assume they have been, uh, for COVID-19 are, are still coming down with COVID-19. So um, I think in, in that sense, it's worth noting. Anyway, Jen Psaki revealed this past weekend that she had tested positive for COVID-19 after deciding not to travel with the president to the G20 summit in Rome because members of her family had already received positive test results. Um, It's a shame she couldn't go with him to Rome to the G20 summit because maybe she would have been able to help keep uh, the president awake when he was sitting there at the climate uh, 
uh, climates. Uh, I guess they were, I don't know, it's probably an introduction or something that day, but anyway, Biden was going to sleep. Uh, it's all over the news tonight, Biden closing his eyes and an aide having to come up to him and, uh, nudge him awake. But, uh, Saki, who is 42, according to this article, and has had two doses of the vaccine, said she was uh, last in contact with the president on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and that the two sat more than six feet apart while wearing masks. This makes her the most visible member of the Biden administration uh, recently to test positive for COVID-19. Saki said in a statement, while I have not had close contact in person with the president or senior members of the White House staff since last Wednesday and tested negative for, uh, for four days after that last contact, I am disclosing today's positive test out of an abundance of transparency. Transparency. Did I say transparency? Uh, new word. No, it's transparency. She was a late scratch from Joe Biden's trip to summit in Rome, replaced on the trip by Principal Deputy Press Secretary, uh, I guess that's Karen, or could it be Karine Jean-Pierre? Anyway, Saki said the decision was made on Wednesday, last Wednesday, for her not to travel on the foreign trip because of her family members testing positive for COVID. So they evidently had some kind of idea that it might end up, uh, she might end up catching it since some of her family members had tested positive. So it's probably uh, a, a wise decision. Uh, she said that she was working from home. Uh, Saki said, thanks to the vaccine, I've only experienced mild symptoms, which has enabled me to continue working from home. I will plan to return to work in person at the conclusion of the 10-day quarantine following a negative rapid test, which is an additional White House requirement beyond CDC guidance, taken out of abundance of caution, she says. All of the White House staff have been vaccinated, with the president having gotten his booster shot on September the 27th when it was fully approved. Kamala Harris the VP, in case you had forgotten, uh, got her booster shot on uh, this past Saturday, uh, apparently, according to this article. I mean, really, you know, I, I never want to say anything bad about someone who comes down with any kind of an illness, regardless of what side of the coin they're on politically. Uh, I wish Saki a speedy recover, recovery, if you will. Annie Swift circled back to her podium. Nothing says circle back like Gwen Saki. So, uh, yeah, okay. I thought I had a clip to share with you on that, but I don't. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, for the longest time, so much was made of the fact everybody needs to get properly vaccinated to control the virus. And then what we found out now that so you know a good portion of the population is vaccinated that people are still getting it albeit they do not uh, suffer uh, the the drastic symptoms that people who uh, got it that uh, were unvaccinated although a lot of those uh, fared fairly well as well uh, even the unvaccinated uh, many who got it uh, survived it with uh, out hospitalization. So, you know, it just, it's, it's another one of those things that shows the American people that all these experts really don't know all the answers. And I don't know that we should expect them to know all the answers, but stop talking to us like you do know all the answers. Stop talking to us like everything is um, an absolute. You know, we absolutely have to shut the entire country down for for months putting people's lives and, and, and careers and, and finances in jeopardy when they don't really know. I mean, they, a lot of people could say, well, you know, we don't know how many lives we say by doing that last year, but at least be honest with the American public. So, you know, it's just another one of those things that kind of works, if you will, to some degree against a lot of the things that they say 
about the vaccinations. So uh, anyway, so she's got it. Hopefully she'll recover fine from it and she'll be back up there uh, defending Joe Biden like nobody else can defend Joe Biden and trying to tell conservatives how corrupt, how racist, and how stupid they are. Okay, second item. Now, this one is, I, I thought was important because, you know, again, I have not seen this on mainstream news. Now, to be honest, to be perfectly clear, I do not watch the uh, mainstream news, media news like I used to. I used to be a, a big fan of ABC and some of NBC news programs. And, um, of course, I'm from the era when you used to be able to trust uh, people and those uh, media organizations because they didn't really get political. They just reported events and the news, and they didn't get critical of the people involved. Like, uh, it's absolutely, and it's on both sides. It's not just liberal media today. Uh, Conservative media is the same as well. What, what, What little conservative media we have in comparison to the liberal garbage that uh, is spewed out over the airwaves today anyway and the internet uh, this is from fox news two men sentenced to federal prison for destroying police car and george floyd protest and this is a story by stephen soros or soros i'm not sure i you know i'm taking a stab at these things. If it's not Jones or Smith or (laughs) something of that nature, then I'm just going to do my best to pronounce it, unless I've heard the name somewhere. Um, The story goes on to say, the two Pennsylvania men have been sentenced to federal prison after they were convicted of destroying and attempting to set fire to a police vehicle during last year's protest over the murder of George Floyd. Okay, here's here's the names of the two men. One of them I can do fairly well. The first one is Dejan Lingil, Linguel, Lingiel. Uh, he's 24 of McKee's Rocks, I'm assuming. That's Pennsylvania. Uh, never heard of it. Was sentenced on Friday to 27 months in prison. Uh, he's one of the two men uh, charged in, in this particular uh, event. Christopher West is the second. He's 36 of Pittsburgh. He was ordered to serve four years in prison, receiving more time because of his criminal history. And it doesn't go into to what his criminal background is, but just saying that uh, evidently he's been in a little bit more trouble than Dijon. So uh, he's getting more time. West still faces state charges over allegations that he took a news photographer's camera during the riot. He acknowledged wrongdoing in a lengthy speech to the court. West said, I know what I did was wrong and I want to serve punishment for it. It was impulsive. I followed the crowd. I should have been a leader, not a follower. Now that's something that actually that really should be played on video uh, every night for a couple of weeks on the news so people can hear that. So people out across the country who think that they should get involved in these kind of activities, even uh, January the 6th, you know, if more people would try to be leaders instead of following the crowd and doing what they know is the right thing to do in their heart and their mind, uh, there might be less uh, mistakes made and less uh, activities like we've seen in the last year and a half in this country. Although it hasn't been as bad this year, there's still a lot of stuff, uh, fallout from last year that's still going on in uh, places across the country. So anyway, he said, I should have been a leader, not a follower. So I got to get him credit for that if it's sincere or is that something his lawyer told him to say, hopefully he get a more lenient sentencing, but we'll give him benefit of the doubt. 
Videos showed the two men identified as the defendants jumping up and down on the roof of the vehicle during, uh, and this is, uh, it says during the protest, which uh, the protests were of the murder of George Floyd on May the 30th, 2020 in downtown Pittsburgh, they are seen with other rioters trying to set fire to the police car. Prosecutor said the group placed cardboard and paper into the passenger compartment and one ignited the material. Both pleaded guilty to comp- conspiracy and obstruction of law enforcement during civil disorder in connection to the riot. So that's that's pretty much the story there. I mean, for me, it's comforting to see that some attempt is being made to prosecute people who broke the law last year during the riots and, and civil unrest that occurred after the murder of George Floyd last year, uh, you know, by the Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, uh, of course, most of you should know by now that Derek Chauvin earlier uh, this year was sentenced to a 22 and a half year term in prison for the murder of George Floyd. I think that was, I think the lawyer said that they were going to appeal it. I haven't heard anything else about the appeal, but at least at that time, you know, uh, the results of the trial was he was sentenced to prison. What is disappointing that it's it's not a mainstream media news story that these guys have been sentenced to prison for their crimes. I mean, to me, it needs to be everything when there is justice come from something that was uh, something like the riots last year, some the looting, the burning, uh, the the assaults the vandalisms, the murders, you know, all of this, anything that's, you know, where you're breaking the law and especially to uh, an extent where it's something that's violent. I mean, we saw so many things last year uh, that came out because of the riots um, and, and the way that police officers all across the country were treated because of uh, the feelings and the, uh, and the tension that we all experienced last year because of the events. So when you have justice, it should be because that serves as a warning to other people who may be thinking about that. I think one of the worst perceptions that we have from last year because of media's, uh, I don't know, lackadaisical attitude about some of the events from last year that, you know, like the, the famous reporter that was standing in, in front of a, 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 a something that was burning behind him over, was it San Francisco or Portland? Maybe is it Portland? And uh, something's on fire behind them. It looks like a bonfire. And uh, he's talking about it. Basically, the, the, the mood here in the crowd is calm. So he was downplaying the fact that some people, a group of people set fire to something that wasn't theirs. They're burning other people's property. They're looting other people's property. What about the, uh, was it the police precinct where they, they, uh, uh, barricaded the door so people couldn't get out of the precinct and then they set fire to it. That was also, I believe in, in Oregon last year. So, Every time there's justice in that, that, that the people who perpetrate those kind of acts, they get punished and they're found guilty and, and, and they, they're sentenced. That needs to be in the news, even if you get it 30 seconds or a minute. So people in this country understand if you do those kinds of things and you go through a trial and you're proven, you know, if you've been given a fair trial and you've been proven that you're guilty, you're going to be punished. For that, rather than this attitude, like some of the DAs out on the, uh, the West Coast have, have basically stepped away from prosecuting people who are uh, doing, uh, especially a lot of this looting that that's occurring in places in California. And well, we're not going to prosecute people for that. You, when you do that, when you say that, when the stance of of, of the, the uh, symbols of law and order in this country say, we're not going to punish these people because, you know, we have some sympathy for, for their feelings. And it's just, you know, it's not that big a deal, you know, 
they're stealing from a store. The store has insurance and, you know, they're not going to lose anything. Uh, it doesn't matter. Even if that's the case, it doesn't matter. You're allowing people to do things that are contrary to civil law and order. And all that does is give other people the idea, yes, well, they did it, we can do it, or they might push the envelope just a little farther, just a little farther each time. So it should be made a big deal anytime, especially if it was a high profile time, uh, thing at the, at, at the moment, if it was on the news and these people are burning this, this police car and these guys are jumping up and down on it, they get punished. That should make news just as much as it was them standing, jumping up and down on the car and, and setting fire to the car. In my opinion, that's just an opinion. Okay. The American public needs to see that there are consequences for those kinds of actions even if the left-wing media is, is giving lawbreakers a pass. Just like many in the media are trying to justify the actions of those today, they're still vandalizing and looting stores in San Francisco. All that does is send a signal to people, maybe I can get away with this. It appears their philosophy is the people committing these crimes are victims of racial inequality, marginalization by society, if you will, and are only taking what society has deprived them of. Like the rioters last year were victims of white racist society and were only taking things they, they've been deprived of all their lives, balancing out the scales, if you will. I mean, who cares if they, if they uh, loot a, a Walmart and, and, and a guy's got four or five uh, big screen TVs and a, and a buggy that he's hauling out of the store. I guess society owes him those four or five big screen TVs and the handful of clothes and the things that people are still running out of stores with in California today. There is a danger in the society trying to justify what people are doing last year. but the mainstream media just doesn't think beyond the end of their nose. If society justifies that kind of behavior, which to some degree is still going on today, what behavior becomes too much? Where do you draw the line? And who gets to determine what that line is? And please don't tell me this is going to be liberal Democrats. All right. Uh, let's see. My third item here for tonight, third and last item, except for the what I've got at the end of the show. It's entitled America Last. Biden goes full Oprah, <laughs> considers $450,000 payments to illegal migrants separated at border. And this is by Joe Concha an opinion contributor, uh, to the Hill. I forgot to add that in there. How about that? But I remember you see Joe Concha on, uh, on Fox uh, news quite a bit. Uh, he's on, um, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram. You'll see him. And sometimes you'll see him on the daytime shows as well. But anyway, he wrote this opinion piece for the Hill. And if you've been following any uh, Trice Talk for any amount of time this year, you have no doubt at all where I stand with immigration issues, okay? My opinion of immigration issues really hasn't changed since uh, the mid-'80s when I really started having an opinion about immigration. And I, I realized to what extent uh, immigration system was broken in this country. And you also have no doubt where I fall on giving money away. And, and I mean, to anybody, except when there's a justification for it. And I don't mean what the liberals want to do. I mean, a serious justification. So with that in mind, it should be no surprise to you that I'm extremely upset about the prospect of the federal government 
giving hard-earned taxpayer money to people who enter this country illegally. I mean, I'm, I'm basically going to say, hell no. Come to me and ask me about that? Hell no. People who come in here illegally, who jump the line to come in here for one, it doesn't matter what the reason is. There's, there's an order to things in this world for a reason. Order prevents chaos. And unless you're watching a Batman movie and you like the Joker, chaos is not good. Actually, we are witnessing that now with the Biden administration and all of the chaos that we're dealing with in this country uh, and, and various areas because of this. I don't want to say leadership because there's not much there, but that's what it's supposed to be. Biden's leadership and the people who are behind him. I mean, you know, giving, well, let me, here's my example. People are always giving examples to me. It's like breaking into somebody's house to rob them and you get hurt somehow, you know, uh, say the, you, you trip over the dog or a few beer bottles that were laying around after last night's pizza party, you know, uh, and, and then you want to sue the homeowner for tripping over the hazard in their home and, and then pay your medical bills. You broke into their home. It's on you, buddy. I mean, if you're somewhere where you don't have a legal right to be, then you do not deserve any kind of money, regardless of what happens to you. Nobody should have to take care of you because you broke in whether it's to somebody's house, somebody's business, or somebody's country. I mean, this is my shortest version of how I feel about this fiasco created not only by the Democrats, but by the Republicans as well for not having made any meaningful changes to the immigration policy uh, in my lifetime uh, as an adult and, and, and uh, I've talked about this before in 1986, 86, 87, uh, when Ronald Reagan agreed to give an amnesty to all the illegals or a number of illegals that were here at the time. It was on the stipulation that Congress would fix immigration, that we wouldn't have to do that again. And here we are, 2021, folks from 1986 and we're still dealing with it. And that should, you know, you talk about things that should be embarrassing for this country, that should be an embarrassment. And, and people will say, well, yeah, we can't get an agreement on this or can't get an agreement on that. Well, first of all, in my mind, some of that is because some of the same damn people are in Congress that were in Congress at the time that last deal was cut. So hell no, you're not going to get a different deal if you got the same people there, right? I mean, I know people can change their mind and they can evolve and they can have, a, they can come up with a different opinion than what they had before, but obviously that hasn't worked. And to think that we're going to, that we've got people considering again, not only about giving, giving the, the second group of, uh, illegals amnesty in this country, but citizenship also all of the, uh, perks that come with being an American, like, you know, eligible for social security, eligible for Medicare, eligible for $450,000 <laughs> per person. Now it, it is, it's, it's a, it's a smaller group that we're talking about here. So let me, let me get into the article, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And we as American people should be upset if you care about American sovereignty, if you care about the rule of law and, and the system of how things should operate in this country, you should be upset that, that the people that you send to, to, to Washington, D.C. year after year after year or election after election have basically caused us to be where we are today and allowed some of these things to happen that have happened 
this year because they failed to do their job that we sent them to Washington, D.C. to fix. And I can tell you the, the attitude back in 1986 was we wanted this fixed. But somehow or another, like so many other things that we, the American people, do, we, we fall asleep at the wheel and stop putting our representatives' feet to the fire for not doing what they tell us they're going to do. And that's why uh, I support term limits, not just over this issue, but many issues that have never been fixed. To have so many, so many people in Congress for 30 and 40 years, it wasn't supposed to be a career, folks. It was supposed to be a representative, uh, a way for uh, the voters to be represented in this country. They're supposed to go there and do what we vote for them to do. And they're not doing it. And I'm sure the progressives and, and, and the liberals feel the same way right now, you know, because a lot of them supported uh, certain people to get this radical agenda done and they haven't gotten it done. So, you know, uh, same probably same feelings, emotions on that side of the coin as well. But unfortunately, they're on the wrong side of the coin. And that's just an opinion. All right. So let me let me go to the article. Uh, Joe Concha writes that reportedly Biden administration is considering paying those who entered the country illegally and were separated under the Trump administration as much as $450,000 each or close to $1 million per family, which would boost them into the richest 1% in this country. Per the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. Department of Justice, Homeland Security, and Health and Human Services are considering payments that could amount to close to a million dollars a family, though final numbers could shift. The people familiar with the uh, uh, intention is uh, says, uh, Basically, their sources, more or less. Most of the families that crossed the border illegally from Mexico to seek asylum in the United States included one parent and one child, the people said. Many families would likely get smaller payouts depending on their circumstances, the people said. They keep the people said, the people said. Uh, and this is from a bombshell report. Uh, the report goes on to say that discussions about the payouts have taken place over the past few months between dozens of private lawyers representing illegal migrant families and the U.S. government lawyers. Now, I'm going to break away here for a second and freelance like I like to do occasionally. Lawyers. Now, picture this. Uh, you know, we have a lot of lawyer uh, groups in this country, advocate groups in this country that are constantly wanting to, to represent people against, you know, the U.S. government or state and local governments uh, on the behalf of people that they want to, uh, that they think have a cause. And I'm not saying that in all cases, those are bad things. Everybody deserves representation um, I guess even if you break the law, right? You know, even even the criminals deserve representation. But sometimes this is more about what they can come out. You know, how how if they get a settlement, I'd like to know how much money they stand to get. Now there are groups that will represent people for free just for the cause of justice in this country. There are those lawyers and those groups. And, um, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay them, but I'm just curious here, you know, these people, but some lawyers came to them and said, Hey, you, you've got a case against the, the, the federal government because, you know, they shouldn't have separated you. And they're talking about pain and suffering and trauma suffered by these people, uh, people who came across illegally, people that knew that it, there was going to be some consequences if they did that yet. It's like the people breaking into the house and they get hurt somehow. They were doing something they shouldn't have been doing. So why should you be taking care of them? 
Why should they be uh, eligible for some kind of payout from the American taxpayers, not from the federal freaking government, because the government doesn't have any money. It's our money. Anyway, they said the, the report is that these discussions of the payouts have been going on for months. Now, and and so reportedly the Biden administration is thinking about maybe this is a good idea just so we can settle this and get these off the books, I guess. I, you know, I, who knows? But despite the fact that the major networks and most cable news outlets are ignoring the stories about how the Biden administration has mishandled the border and illegal immigrant issues this year, the data says it all. The U.S. is on pace to take more than 2.3 million people into the country this year. That's more than the population of Boston, Washington, D.C., and Denver combined. And the numbers keep going up, not down, despite Homeland Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas saying with a straight face that the border is closed. I'm telling people not to come to the United States across the border illegally. So just how much is the, uh, just, just how much is the 450 K that some migrants could receive or how much of the $450,000. Okay. It's more than some families of those murdered on nine 11 received. If a U.S. service member is killed in the line of duty, their next of kin gets an insurance payment of roughly $400,000, according to Representative Dan Crenshaw of Texas, an Afghan war veteran who lost an eye in combat. And during the height of the COVID-19, many Americans who'd lost their jobs or businesses received a fraction of that sum in compensation. Yet we have people in Washington, D.C., think thinks it's a good idea to give these illegals $450,000. Or even if it's 100000 even if it's 50000 it doesn't make sense. It's not fair. It's not right to American citizens. And I've said this before, and, and we had, had a number of shows about this. I mean, uh, Immigration is a, is a hot button for me. I'm from Texas originally, and not that that means anything other than the fact I'm fully aware of what illegal immigration means to a state or uh, to a workforce in this country. And I'm not anti-immigration, but I am anti coming across illegally. If the first act you do coming into this country is breaking the law, what kind of citizen are you going to be? What kind of an example does that set for other people? But to then turn around and let's give them taxpayer money, people that have paid their taxes into the system and the government's going to turn around and give it to somebody who broke the law. It doesn't make sense. You know, while the Biden administration has played a game with answering tough questions from the conservative media and the American public since taking office this year, it's going to be tough for him to dodge this issue much longer. I mean, they're, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to, uh, catch him on this. Actually, I had a, uh, I had a little audio here of the Joe Concha thing, but I, I, I think I'm going to just go ahead, uh, time constraints and go ahead and, and skip past that tonight. But regardless, regardless on how you feel about immigration issues, it would be hard for me to believe that too many Americans would support taxpayer money being given in the form of cash to immigrants who broke our laws by coming into our country in the manner in which they did and still do today by the thousands. I think Biden's handlers fail to rec uh, realize that as taxpayers, we are already footing the bill for many of the expenses incurred by legals that cross our borders and get to stay here. I mean, hell, look how much money this illegal migration has cost us this year alone. 
Look at the manpower cost at the border alone. Look at the cost to transport these people around the country. Look at the cost to put them up to house and feed them in various areas of the country. And that's not even counting any kind of medical attention that many of these people may require. That's not counting, uh, you know, the number of women that come into this country that have come in even this year that are pregnant and give birth in this country. And then of course, you know, their child is an American citizen, which is another hot button for me, something that should have been changed years ago, years ago. And especially at the time in 1986, when the last amnesty bill was given, why in the hell wasn't that at least that one thing changed? You have to look anytime there's something that's not ever addressed on an issue such as this, you have to look at who benefits the most from allowing these situations to continue. And it's certainly not the American people. It's certainly not the American public. Certainly not the American taxpayer. But if if Biden had just allowed the border wall construction to be continued, if we were still making progress there, 10 months worth of progress continued this year and ultimately finished at some point, then we could focus our attention on just surveillance of the border and the upkeep of the border. And then, yes, you probably still have some people break through, uh, you know, one means or another, but you wouldn't have the ability that people have today. You couldn't have this many people coming across at one time. Then you could focus on your drones. Then you could focus on your electronic surveillance and other means. But look at the manpower that we're having to use right now to to not even control what's going on on the southern border, but just to uh, deal with it the best they can, I guess, is the only way that I can put it. But in my opinion, the Democrats have shown no interest in stopping the influx of illegals into this country, and there's many uh, Republicans in that same boat. I think they have a much more sinister goal in mind. And there are people that tell us why, because they think that these people are going to be their future voters for the Democrat party. Look what we did for you. We allowed you to come into this country. You owe us your allegiance. You owe us your vote. Now that sounds far-fetched, doesn't it? But if that's not part of the, uh, the logic of the liberal Democrats. What is the justification? If you think about it long enough, I think you'll come up with the same conclusion that we conservatives have come up with. All right. So that's my three topics for tonight. And, um, so now I'll get to the, to the announcement of the program. This is going to be the last episode of Trice talk that will originate on Podbean. And, uh, I've been talking about this moment and actually it was, like I said, it was supposed to have been last night on Halloween. I thought that would have been, uh, a good time to, uh, have the last podcast, uh, originate from Podbean, but it didn't work out. So I'm going to do that tonight, but, uh, let me just, just say a few words about this. I mean, Trice Talk has been on Podbean since January of 2016, when me and my two sons put together the first episode of our podcast and, and we did it. We, we really wanted to do a podcast, but we were, uh, motivated to do it so much in 2016 because that was the uh, prior presidential election period. And uh, we were fired up about the changes that we were uh, hoping would occur in this country. Not that we had picked a candidate at that time, 
But anyway, that was the motivation for doing the podcast, even though we eventually uh, went from it being, uh, you know, politically motivated to we started doing some social issues and then we started doing our uh, <laughs> our comedy stuff that we did. And um, but that was the that was the reason we started a podcast, because we wanted to talk about issues of the day and then especially the issues around the 2016 uh, election. But we only did 16 episodes that first year. And and then we took almost, a, I would what you say, is a four year hiatus uh, since the stove. And then, of course, we started the show back up again last July of 2020, that is. And since that time, we posted more than 275 episodes on Podbeam. We also have just surpassed more than, well, 10,300 downloads since about uh, a week ago in October. So, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've taken it quite a, a long way on Podbeam this past year and a half basically. And, and we felt like we've been actually talking about this move for some time, but, um, we just both Dennis Lee and I felt like we've taken it as far as we can, we can go on Podbeam uh, that we needed to make some changes in, in the show and, and maybe some changes in, um, where we were because there's just a limitation of what we can do with the Podbeam site. Although, you know, I mean, we've enjoyed being on Podbeam for the most part. There, There is some frustrations with Podbeam, but uh, it's given us the opportunity this last year and a half to do what we've done. So we're very appreciative of that. I mean, it's been a fun and challenging time this time on Podbeam and uh, doing the podcast. Um, and, you know, as many people will tell you, doing a podcast, especially one frequently, is not a piece of cake. I mean, we've changed the format several times over the past 15 months. Um, and we've also transitioned between doing live shows, all live shows. And then we started doing some recorded. And then we started back doing a few live again. I mean, we've tried to find a mix of things, not only to fit our personal uh, the time constraints that we have and, and, and other obligations that we have in our lives, but, you know, just try to find the right spot for the show. And like most things in life, changes are inevitable, right? Uh, Dennis Lee, who has co-hosted Trice Talk with me for the majority of the shows over the past year and a half, has, um, is, is going to have to step away from this podcast at least for a while and, um, you know, for work and personal reasons. And so, you know, I, I felt like that this was going to be the right time, uh, to make a serious change and go ahead and, and make the break with Podbeam. Needless to say, I'm going to miss doing the shows with him as, uh, as the banter between us was a big part of our show many times. Um, and it's just impossible to do that kind of show without his presence. I mean, it's one of those things that, uh, can only work, you know, with certain people. So with the challenge of moving forward with Trice Talk and, uh, without my partner in chatter, um, I'll be moving the, the Trice Talk, uh, to another format, uh, this week, basically, um, the other venues, one thing nice about Podbeam is, is they gave us the ability and really what started us back on Podbeam this, this past year was the fact that we could do them remotely and do it together because Podbeam had that uh, capability for us and do it live. So, um, uh, there's other venues out there that are very similar, and there's lots of ways to do live podcast, as uh, many of you know, if you listen to a, a lot of uh, other people doing their podcast. But uh, I'm going to be utilizing a site called Riverside.fm to record some live shows. 
Um, but they do not have a, a way to post the shows. They do not host the show. I mean, they do not uh, have a, a means for you to post the shows on their site. So I'm going to be posting uh, the shows on Buzzsprout. Uh, I may continue using Podbeam as well to post shows. Uh, I have not determined that yet because I want to see the difference in uh, in the offerings from Buzzsprout. I mean, I've, I've already signed up for it, but um, I, you know, they also have access to Twitter and some of these others. So I don't want the accesses to be the same as they've been on Podbeam. So I may continue to to post uh, the shows on Podbean as well. So if you've been following us on Podbean, uh, at least for a while, you may possibly be able to keep listening to them on Podbean. If not, if you want to go to Buzzsprout, uh, it'll probably be the middle of this week, maybe Thursday before you'll be able to find any. I think I, I did post one of the shows I did on Podbean on the Buzzsprout. But uh, that that's going to be my main focus uh, in the future is to post the shows on Buzzsprout. And um, I may even originate some shows on Buzzsprout because Riverside, F, uh, Riverside FM is a wonderful place. I did a test uh, recording on it last week and uh, the sound quality and, and even the music that I play is so much better. It's, it's, it just comes out this and, and they have some editing tools on there that are much simpler than uh, doing anything through uh, Podbeam. So um, I think you're going to notice a difference in the quality of the recordings uh, of the podcast that I post in the future, especially where it comes to music and stuff like that. So I'm excited about it, but yet, Again, you know, I've been here, uh, we've been here for so long, it's kind of like leaving an old friend, but I'm going to try to make it where we're not leaving an old friend. We're just kind of uh, giving people more opportunities to hear, um, you know, maybe a different side of the podcast. I mean, as this is going to be a new experience, it's probably going to take a couple of weeks to get the hang of the system. Um, like I did have a couple of, uh, a couple of technical issues last week. Um, I had, uh, Crimson was going to try to help me out with the show and we could actually post videos, uh, on Riverside. You can post the uh, audio and a video, uh, to whatever site that, that you use to host it. And, uh, but it didn't, I was only going to use the audio, but the audio, audio didn't work on Crimson for one reason or another. So I ended up not posting that show. Uh, it was kind of hilarious in many ways because of me trying to figure out how to get the sound to work for my guest host. But, um, at least for now, at least until the end of the year, you can listen to some of the, uh, existing episodes on Podbeam until um and i'll make a decision probably first of january whether or not i will continue with Podbeam in the future as far as posting shows um but like i said if you want to check out buzzsprout uh this week probably wednesday or thursday you should be able to find uh new episodes of trice talk on there uh by that time uh, so lastly, I, I want to thank all of you that have followed and participated in some of our podcasts over the last year plus. I mean, I know Dennis Lee and I started out and I think, you know, we only had three or four people, uh, listening to us and coming into the live shows and stuff. And, um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've had varying degrees of audiences over the past year and a half, but it's, it's the participation of, uh, the people that came into our shows and made the comments uh, and the chat room and so forth. And, and, and those of you that were gracious enough to call into the show and talk to us and share your thoughts and, and, and share your comments um, that gave us incentive to continue with the show. You know uh, it's really something that, that we enjoy doing and, and while it would be wonderful if Dennis Lee was making this new journey with me, um, who knows what the future may hold for us. Um, 
We never say never because I thought when he moved to Savannah four years ago, I figured we would probably never be doing Podbeam again together. And then, you know, we were um, blessed to be able to do that together last year and through a good portion of this year. But hopefully all of those, uh, those of you that have enjoyed all of our uh, shows in the past uh, year and a half will continue uh, gracing me with, uh, listening to the podcast in the future. And, uh, I'll do my best to give you uh, reason to listen to the shows and download the shows. And then hopefully those of you that have enjoyed all of Dennis Lee's tall tale shows will be able to continue keeping up with him. I, I, I believe he has an intention to, uh, to continue doing tall tales. Uh, when he's able to do that. Um, I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed all my time with, with each of you on, on Podbeam. Even those of you who've made it a challenge sometimes calling in and and uh, creating a little havoc in the live shows. But I want to take a, another minute here before I close, and I want to thank some of those people that uh, helped me enjoy what we've done on Podbeam the last year and a half. Um, of course, James Marshall is, is one of my sons and that's not his real name. We said it a, a thousand times, but he was very instrumental in the very beginning with Dennis Lee and I, and one in helping us create the show, but he also did all the editing and, and the music and stuff for those, uh, original 16 shows. And if you've never listened to any of the original 16, I mean, you know, in, in many ways they're not as advanced as what we've done the last year and a half. But uh, there's an awful lot of funny moments on those. And and we used to laugh and say, well, the music interludes that uh, James Marshall put in there for us were sometimes the best parts of the show. Uh, he, he, was, he did a great job of uh, what we would do is, is we actually edited shows or he edited the shows for us back then. We'd do the recording, then he would insert the music interludes, usually three to four during a show, just to kind of break up the monotony. And, um, I mean, his editing of the original series made us sound better than we were and and uh, just, just helped to make it fun. Uh, many a times that we really enjoyed the music with the shows. Uh, I want to thank Dennis Lee, my son, also the co-host and co-founder of the show for sharing his time with me and talent and, and helping to make the show entertaining and informative. I mean, obviously uh, I'm biased since he's my son and I enjoyed spending that time with him. Not, I mean, there's, there's parents and, and their children, they get to spend time working together in many walks of life. But uh, I don't know how many get to spend the time that we got to spend doing something like this together and enjoying that and enjoying uh, the laughter and, uh, and, and, and just some of the stuff that we've <laughs> encountered in doing uh, Tri's Talk. Uh, I also want to thank Eric Kirk our Podbeam friend that was a great help to me, especially, uh, and the show for the better part of a year, you know, he, uh, Eric was, uh, after a while, after he kind of, uh, started, uh, being on every show, he became an administrator for the show and, and he helped me out numerous times when Dennis Lee was not able to do the show. And, um, I, I really appreciate his presence and uh and the things that he did and helped us do on trice talk and helped me at a time sometimes when i I really was uh worried about doing the show by myself um crimson another friend of trice talk that has stepped in a number of times this year to to co-host uh with me when dennis lee could not do the show Uh, you don't know how much pressure that takes off of you uh, when you have somebody that can help you do the show and help uh, talk about things, help move the discussions along. So uh, I want to thank Crimson for her help. Ellie J, another friend of Trice Talk that has called in a number of times since the early days of the show uh, to lend her opinions and comments on the show. Um, and it was always uh, an appreciated uh, presence on the show. 
and uh, want to thank LEJ for that. And then, of course, that our friends, there are other people that called in and, and comment, uh, and a lot of times it's just, even if it's just in the chat room, uh, but slightly from the Slightly Serious Show, we really appreciate the times that he participated in the show and many of the, the, the wonderful comments that he made about the efforts, uh, you know, we have at, at, at Trice Talk and the things we were trying to do and the content and so forth. Uh, his encouragement was really uh, key uh, many a time to help uh, us keep the show going when sometimes we question, you know, what we were doing and whether or not we should keep doing it. I also want to especially thank BP uh, as he appears as BP 49, as he appears on the chat room screen, BP, we never could get him to call into the show, but I want to thank him for being such a loyal follower for Trice talk. He not only participates in the majority of the live shows that we did, uh, he consistently comments on downloaded shows, um, or posted shows, if you will. And he also, uh, quite frequently emails comments and suggestions for the show which is, uh, is, and was greatly appreciated. Um, and of course then there's just duck. Uh, we, we always, uh, look forward to just, you know, joining our shows over the past year and a half. And, uh, Mike Tampa Bay, Pertwee, Laura, Laura came in early on. Laura was, uh, uh followed, the show early on last year uh, because she found Dennis Lee on uh, Tall Tales. And then she started listening uh, occasionally to uh, Trice Talk. And uh, she's provided us with some uh, entertaining moments over the years. And and there's a, a, a bunch more that I, I, I apologize for leaving out a lot of names. I just don't have time to put the list up here. But I've, I've tried over the last year and a half to mention all of you who have uh, participated in each and every one of our shows as much as I could. And I just want to thank you uh, for, your, you know, whatever time that you uh, gave us when we were doing the shows. Uh, it was graciously appreciated. And again, it was also motivation for, for keeping us uh, going with the show. So thanks to all of you for listening and helping us feel special for these past 15 months. Uh, many of you have podcasts of your own, and, and I, I will wish you continued success with all that you do with your podcast. Uh, the time that you've shared with Trice Talk will always be remembered. So I guess I've pretty much, <laughs> pretty much covered all that I wanted to say tonight. Um, but with that, I, I just, I just want to say, um, you know, thanks again from the bottom of my heart for making Podbeam or making our time on Podbeam so special. And I, I hope to see your names pop up again in the future. And, uh, So until next time, wherever you listen to the next episode of Trice Talk, I'm Donald Wayne and stay safe, everybody.